Hello and welcome to episode 76 of For Christ's Sake Anakin. I'm your host, Matthew Neugebauer, coming to you on this April 29th, 2021. It is the Thursday after the fourth Sunday of Easter, if you are counting. We are about partway through this Easter season, Easter celebration of Jesus' resurrection. I watched Return of the Jedi, I think I mentioned that, uh, a few weeks ago on Easter Sunday. Believe in that, that was a fun little tradition that I'm kicking off. But today, we are talking about Clone Force Gretzky, the Bad Batch, coming up on uh, on this other solemnity of Star Wars fandom. Uh, yeah, May the 4th, Tuesday, May the 4th, we got a, I believe, a 70-minute episode coming to you on Tuesday, and then the regular episodes coming to you on uh, Fridays, the usual Disney Plus way they do things. Uh, so I'm going to get into a few things I'd like to see. I did mention, uh, I, did, I did look at the uh, episode descriptions that were released on Disney Plus and they didn't really tell me anything. So <laughs> I'll get into that in a second. But at first, I do want to bring back the pull list. Uh, great tradition. I, I should shout out comics that you know, may or may not fall under the radar. Some of them uh, may or may not get on your radar, I should say. they. Some of them are pretty high profile. This one, it is by Marvel. It is by the big House of M. But uh, I'm going to focus on women of Marvel. So Marvel voices. So Marvel does uh, these collections of voices that of folks that uh, they they want to for for good reason bring to the fore and get us more familiar with. They did one on indigenous voices. I think they did one on black voices. So this is women voices of a diverse ethnicities and whatnot, and um, really wonderful collection of shorter stories that don't quite tie together and they don't really try to, but showing female characters in, in the lead as well. I especially want to shout out the single page stories. Um, yeah. All written by uh, Mariko Tamaki. Sorry. I just checking my notes here. All written by Mariko Tamaki and they're, they're funny. They're give you a glimpse of the real life almost of superheroes and, and, uh, ex-women and um, one of them getting up and getting ready and she doesn't really want to put on makeup or, or fancy clothes or whatever professional uh, out in the world grown-up clothes and so she says I, I, I can just change what people perceive of what I look like it, it, it it's funnier in the story just take my word for it go give that a look it is hard to I mean it's hard to write a story period <laughs> and uh, it's even harder to condense it to one page, uh, especially in the comic medium where so much is about movement of, of the art from panel to panel and from page to page. And so really well done by Mariko Tamaki and, and the artists, the various artists that collaborated with her great introduction by Louis Simonson, who, if you watch the, um, uh, all those Marvel documentaries on Disney Plus, for example, they they really feature her a lot as one of the great pioneers of women in Marvel, women in the comics industry. Really put herself out there and face the challenges that uh, I mean that women face and people of color and minorities face, especially as the comics industry became so much more geared to to younger white boys <laughs> and. Uh, Thankfully, it's it's definitely expanding well beyond that. And 
Louise Simonson has a lot to, to thank for that. So shout out to, to that single issue. Um, it's a, it's a bit of a longer single issue, but if you want to pick up, um, and, and expose yourself to, to different voices and different artists and different characters that I, I don't often read myself, uh, I, I recommend that one. All right. So Clone Force 99, uh, Clone Force Gretzky, <laughs> I should say, uh, that's going to be my name for the Bad Batch. I, I did think of that. I'm probably sure. I'm pretty sure I'm not the only ones who thought of that. I know I did donate it to the real life Albertans uh, at What the Fiction, What the Force, um, Mary Claire and Kyle and them. Um, but yeah, you know, it's this is I'm still this is still a Canadian based podcast. You know, hockey, Gretzky, 99, etc. You get it. I'm sure Dave Filoni gets it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm going to Clone Force Gretzky. And uh, definitely looking forward to this series. It, yeah, you, you could question why are they telling more stories about the war? Why are they telling more stories about soldiers? Is that something more Marvel does more often? Um, but given the success of Clone Wars, especially or including the success of Season 7, uh, it was only natural, or, or I should even say, it wasn't just the success of Season 7, the anticipation of that season. Uh, and then going in, they knew when they were going to actually finish the Bad Batch arc. They, they knew, obviously, that they were going to announce this series coming up soon. I I mean, I've heard it called Clone Wars Season 8. Obviously, that's a bit of a misnomer. It's set after the Clone Wars. You know, we see in the trailer the uh, you know, Darth Sidious declaring the Empire, that the Republic shall be reorganized into the first galactic empire. And, but that's interesting. I mean, the, and the art style is still in the same vein as Clone Wars. And so, very much the connection is there. That's interesting for a few reasons. It's interesting that we still have an appetite for this story, for the story that is so pivotal to the whole galaxy. I think we finally, now that Revenge of the Sith is getting its, has gotten its due, uh, have the sense that the Clone Wars and its aftermath are really the pivotal event of the galaxy. Uh, I mean, you could say that the Empire itself is this pivotal event of when uh, when the galaxy was exposed to its darkest moment. And here we are at the very beginning of that. <laughs> and we still want to tell these stories. It, it was a bit of a curious surprise that they announced because it isn't necessarily one that we think of, the Bad Batch, or you know, just telling another clone story. It, it was a bit surprising, but I do think they're going to use it to go into some deeper questions about in-universe, about the galaxy far, far away, and also about our own time, and about the rise of tyranny, and the rise of, uh, you know, how, you know, democracies are not stolen, they're given away. George definitely told that story quite succinctly in what I would say is the best film ever. Um, but you know, it, it'll be interesting to go into it from the perspective of, uh, of the clones of soldiers and specifically of clones who are bred to think independently, 
which is on an oxymoron. It doesn't quite make sense, right? Clones bred to think independently. I mean, they weren't so much bred. It just happened. They were mutations. I get that. Hence the, the, the nice touch of, of Clone Force 99. But they still have this perspective. They are still Jango Fett clones bred for the sake of the Clone Wars, which they now most likely see as only existing for uh, the rise of this great evil in the galaxy. At least some of them. I, I, I have seen hints of the spoilers and theories. I'm going to leave the whole thing with tech to be. I haven't actually read all that uh, that stuff, but you know the thing about him on his black series, I believe. But I, I haven't looked into that. But I, that's my guess is uh, I'll leave you as the fan, for the fan theory that he's actually going to leave them and join and, and stick with the Empire. That'll be interesting. That'll be interesting storytelling. So anyway, I did think to look at the uh, the episode descriptions that had been leaked, as I just mentioned about 10 minutes ago. Looked at the episode descriptions and thinking, okay, is this going to be give me meat and bone to chew on? Uh, and it turned out not really. <laughs> they weren't, thankfully, which is nice. They weren't very spoilery. These are the episode descriptions that were up on Disney Plus in just below the episode thing. Um, I think they've been taken down or last I searched, I couldn't find them. Uh, but basically the first one says something along, I don't quite remember, something along the lines of clones trying to find their way in a changing galaxy. To which I could add, also water is wet and uh, I don't know, Canada's really big. <laughs> um, which again, it's it's nice that they aren't being spoilery there and not giving us too much as they would anyways some of those descriptions i find do in the, the clone wars ones kind of tend to a little bit so I'm, I'm glad that they're just saying basically prompting the question we're all asking is what does it mean for clones what does it mean for this particularly independent group of clones to actually have to face the choice of being part of the empire or not and again, with tech, we think one of them goes one way with the rest of them, with, you know, Echo, who knew Anakin Skywalker and, and of course, knew Ahsoka, but knew Anakin and uh, maybe, I don't know, is he going to find out about Darth Vader? Probably not. He'd have to be killed pretty quickly then. Um, we're definitely going to see what they have that answer about what about their chips that's got to be answered pretty quickly i think because um it, it's one of those kind of details that's in the way <laughs> they need to get out of the way but there's the deeper question of here are here this army that we cheered on as heroes and, and the story that we were told in the clone Wars series asks us and invites us to cheer them on as heroes gets into their lives their personalities i'm talking about both the regs and the bad batch even just the, those four episodes really drew us in and of course echo <laughs> um what do they do now what just like the jedi and that this is being the most interesting question one of the most interesting questions i have about all of star wars is what do jedi do now that their institution, their order is gone, and 
on their watch, they let Darth Sidious rise, form the Empire, and wipe them out. With clones, with clones like Rex especially, we've explored a lot of his motivations and views during in the in Rebels. We got that wonderful moment just before Order sixty six uh, on on the bridge with Ahsoka. You know, what do these very independent minded clones then think? You know, are they you know just like Wrecker? Are they just about blowing stuff up and and throwing things around? Is even Wrecker reducible to that? I, I think someone like Hunter isn't. I think Hunter is going to be. Uh, someone who's thinking deeply and reflecting deeply because it, it's this interesting metaphor of uh, his ability to be sensitive to, to sound waves on the ground. I wonder if he's actually going to be like Rex, someone who can really think critically and, and determine, make moral determinations about what to do. These are not mindless soldiers. Much to Tarkin's chagrin, for example, right? It's going to be a massive headache for him because these are not droids that you can shut off with a flick of a switch. And that's always what made the clones different. There was this chip in their minds, but it was in their brains rather, but these were still human brains that... uh, are not as simple as just electricity coursing through. Yes, we can point to that. And, um, you know, the, the, that is an important aspect of it, the chemicals and imbalance. But, I mean, they're soldiers, therefore they're important as embodied creatures, as embodied creatures, as embodied human beings. And this gets me to... This other really related, really interesting question. How do clones remember Order 66? How do they react? And we have a bit of one story of that already. Or, yeah, specifically uh, in, in the Kanan comic, we have uh, the story of one of the clones in uh, Depa and Caleb's unit. They were you know, under Depa and Caleb, and uh, most of them, you know, they all... Killed Depa and, and Caleb went free. A few weeks later, he encounter, Caleb encounters them again, and uh, one of them starts to have uh, a change of mind, a metanoia moment, and is actually able to see clearly. Oh shoot! What did we just do? <laughs> right? Is there our beloved, loyal general and commander? Caleb is just a kid uh, that we took in and cared for. And and we see this throughout the Clone Wars, for example. We see, uh, well, especially with Ahsoka and Rex, for example. Uh, we, saw it, we see it with Caleb. We see it with um, in Jedi Fallen Order, right? With the clones and I'm completely blanking on the character's name. I know, him, I know his name. The main character in Jedi Fallen Order, it'll come to me in like two seconds, I promise you. <laughs> uh, we see that Order 66 sequence just before and meant to pull on our heartstrings, right? Um, These kids that these clones have taken in and they see that as part of their service to the Jedi to to watch over and uh, 
relate to and connect with these these teenage kids who are, who are training, getting experience, and um, that beautiful moment with Ahsoka and and her her clone unit, and how loyalty is everything to them, even including to these inexperienced clones, inexperienced Padawans. Um, anyway, we see a clone in Depa and Caleb's unit reflecting on this moment and saying, uh, oh shoot, what have we done? He lets Caleb go free. He actually protects him. I mean, makes him into a traitor. I think they figure some way to, to get him out similar to the way they wanted to, they tried to Rex and Ahsoka tried to trick Jesse and them. So what this gets, makes me think is, or, or what this points to then is, however these chips happen with the Bad Batch, clearly it's not as simple as turning on a, flicking a switch and all of a sudden these are our droids now and not someone else's droids or, or the other way around, right? The human mind has this incredible capacity to adapt incredible capacity to learn and grow because it is part of this living organism that is ourselves. And so what I'm getting at is, is, is neuroplasticity specifically. And the, the theory that's, I think it's more than a theory. I mean, it's, it's pretty sound science that for example, trauma forges certain pathways in our brain in order to actually protect us from the, the threat that is coming at us. And so once that, that pathway is forged, that's kind of where, that's where our brains go. That's from what I understand, that's how psychology generally works, right? Is there are these pathways and they're all interconnected and it's complicated and complex, but we, we, we have habits in our minds that, uh, that lead us down certain paths and that those habits are actually brain tissue <laughs> and actually biology that grows and adapts based on our experiences. So one of the things that, you know, and, and so, you know, when we go in something like cognitive behavioral therapy, that gets us to actually reframe our experiences and that in itself is an experience of reframing to change our brain pathways to unlearn what we have learned as Yoda says and see things and feel about the world and our own story in a more constructive way and uh, in ways that are, are compassionate and more understanding to others even to people who have harmed us and wronged us to learn to forgive not to necessarily forget and, and make ourselves vulnerable to attack again, but to step away and, and seek peaceable solutions and build relationships and find out people who are actually going to be mutually supportive and constructive. And this is, you know, the personal relationship aspect of it. But, you know, well, I, I, and this goes back to the personal relationship that clones had with their Jedi. <laughs> there was a very close, loyal, emotional, psychological bond that this chip that the community ones put in them that was activated at Order 66 
it disrupts that. But it's not absolute. It's not total. What I do wonder, one of the things we speculate is, a lot of people are speculating is, uh, with the Bad Batch, maybe the chips just didn't work. Maybe they were faulty. Um, maybe, uh, again, there are mutations. So maybe they just didn't take or, or wasn't designed able to adapt to their their particular capacities. Because remember, it's not just physical capacity. They are able to think outside the box in part because they're physically capable of doing things like that. So they can learn to use their bodies here, learning neuroplasticity, growth, etc. They can learn to... Uh, you know, well, I mean, this is just the battlefield strategies, right? We see, um, we see the interaction with Rex and and Hunter and, and Rex. Uh, yeah, it's Rex. It says, "Okay, okay, guys, try it your way. Go for it." <laughs> you know, and, and we see that initially with when they they keep on moving the door forward. Well, there's no regular clone that's really strong enough to actually do that maneuver, but they're able to. Wrecker is able to actually do that, and so. Uh, they learn to think outside the box. I wonder if uh, with the chip, they just, it just didn't fit with their outside the box thinking. And part of that was just the pathways in their minds. I don't know if this makes sense psychologically or, or psych, you know, in terms of cranial biology or whatnot the chips just didn't fit with the neural pathways because they are inherently about independence, about creativity, about things that actually really assist in moral reasoning. You know, we, we, we default on moral on that kind of moral reasoning by being sheeple who go along with the herd. And I don't want to put too much of a Nietzschean point on it because we also can default on moral reasoning by being so independent that we are, we think we're right and everyone else is wrong. And I do wonder if the, there's a temptation for the Bad Batch to do that. But I wonder if they're just able to see the rise of the Empire, not just because they're weird and different uh, physically, but because they have trained themselves to say, this is an evil box that we're not going to confine ourselves to. We're going to step outside of it, except for tech. Again, tech might be the exception there. So here's the, the larger narrative question then is, where is this all going to? And there are two points I want to, I want to ask there is what is all leading to overall in the Star Wars, in the, in the galaxy far away? far, far away in this time period um, and the rise of the empire as a whole. And again, there are two things I want to, I think there is, is this independence going to mean that they are going to be bounty hunters? They're going to join the underworld or guns for hire or whatnot related to that. And that is suggested a little bit with, uh, with the presence of Fennec Shand because, you know, we suspect She's going to already be connected up with Boba Fett, which would be another interesting thing. He's in a way, another quote unquote mutated clone in that he uh, is a Jango Fett clone that wasn't 
uh, part of the program, literally part of the program. <laughs> um, and, and thankfully the Mandalorian show has made more of that and reminded people, you know, starting to give Attack of the Clones its due, right? So I wonder that that would be somewhat cool, somewhat interesting, um, uh, you know, and, and it appeal to fans of, or fans of the underworld type of story. I wonder if maybe they start off that way, but here's the thing about the, the age of empire of the empire is that every story in this time, all the, the wide expansive universe uh, of the star Wars galaxy, the gravity, sorry, the narrative gravity of storytelling throughout the empire it all comes down and culminates to Luke Skywalker sending two torpedoes into the Death Star's chute and blowing it up. All that leads to that moment. And then, of course, all that then leads to the return of Anakin Skywalker killing Darth Sidious. <laughs> and uh, and the, 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 after, the aftermath, to use that phrase, of... of uh, the Galactic Concordance and the Battle of Jakku and all that, which then, of course, the cycle starts again with the rise of the First Order, etc. But what I think that means for the Bad Batch is where will the rebellion play into this? And there's no formal rebellion at this point. I get that, but you know, we see Rex, we see Sagarera, we know. Ahsoka is out there about to form up, join up with, uh, with Bail Organa and take on the Fulcrum persona and, and engage in, uh, for, for a number of decades, for, for at least 15 years or so, 16, 17 years, um, uh, engage in these clandestine activities. These cells are going to be disparate, but they're moving somewhere. Yeah, you know, there's Emphis Nest. <laughs> there's, uh, you know, I mean, we probably won't see a young Cassian, but we might see again. We'll probably see Bail Organa, Mon Mothma. I wouldn't be surprised if we do, at least for a little bit of brief cameo. I do know, and we do know, of course, that they are showing, uh, going to actually show a, later in the timeline a more consolidated rebellion with the Andor series. But uh, even now, I mean, one of the things, one of the one things I wish, uh, you know, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith still had were those were those deleted scenes of Padme and Bale and, and Mon Mothma starting to plan <laughs> and starting to put things in place because they could see that this democracy was being handed away. Someone again, someone like Hunter, I think, is more than meets the eye with him. Um, you know, Wrecker, maybe I don't know. Uh, Wrecker seems to be similar to a Zeb type character. Garrus Abrelios again became more than meets the eye there. What if, what if Wrecker is like that too? So, uh, and of course we know Echo is Echo, right? He, someone who went from mindlessly repeating orders 
to growing out of that as part of the 501st and an ARC trooper in the 501st to being captured by the separatists to mindlessly repeat orders and be forced to mindlessly repeat orders. He is going to want to, now that he's been liberated from this borgification, he is going to want to uh, stand up for freedom and choice and dignity. <laughs> we, we, I can see that. So, uh, I mean, maybe, I mean, that's the thing. The, the unit, the, the Bad Batch, the Clone Force 1999 might not actually stay together by the end of it. They might morph into Scar Squadron, at least some version of it in the Empire. I mean, we know there's some connective tissue there. It's, of course, Scar Squadron provides an antagonist to Luke and then, you know, this... Uh, an imperial bucket head holding all the green lightsaber. That's what's that about, right? This again, another outside the box troop that is actually fighting for the empire. And it is interesting there. Maybe this is somewhat related. The empire did tolerate that to some extent, if they could get the job done. They had the inquisitorius, for example, I mean, Vader himself, right? Darth Sidious uh, tolerates Vader, who doesn't fit anywhere in the is very rigid. I keep hitting my, my mic arm. Sorry. Doesn't hit anywhere in this very rigid Imperial command structure, but uh, you know, inserts himself and gets inserted where Darth Sidious says he can be inserted, but where then he actually inserts himself where he deems fit. Again, the Inquisitorius outside the box, they are force users that the empire uses and, and, and tasks with, I mean, they're very much loyal to the Empire, tasks with hunting down Jedi. So there are these units. I, I Again, I don't see the story moving us in the direction of uh, Hunter and Wrecker and them. I, I'm blanking on the other ones, but uh, Hunter and Wrecker and them uh, joining up and forming Scar Squadron because I don't see the story wanting us to see them as protagonists becoming antagonists. I think with the clones generally, I mean, for the nameless clones, uh, yeah, they're going to become the stormtroopers. For someone like Cody, there is a tragic story that of you know, continuing the tragedy of Order 66. If we see Cody, I don't know. Uh, clearly he doesn't, uh, we, we haven't seen what happens with him. So, uh, he might still be part of the empire and just retire as a loyal soldier of the empire, despite, uh, being under such profound influence from Obi-Wan Kenobi. But yeah, other than that, I don't necessarily see, uh, the, you know, the, the clones that we've come to know and love serving the empire so much unless they again want to tell a tragic story but i think they want to tell a heroic story of these clones not being droids um so those are, are my thoughts that's what i want to see i do want to see maybe some reflections implicitly explicitly on uh on how soldiers look at state power and the military industrial complex and 
Yeah, and a lot of them do think it's it's fine or it's a job or you know they have a very strong sense of duty and loyalty. I don't know if the Bad Batch will think that. I don't know. We don't fully know even what Rex thinks about that. Um, again, he has mixed feelings about the war. Maybe the Bad Batch does too. Um, that's These are the questions that uh, that invite us to reflect on. And here's the thing. I, I didn't, have, didn't necessarily plan on doing a kind of a weekly recap of the episode. I didn't plan on doing that with the Mandalorian and it kept giving me things to say and think about and do. So this time around, I know better <laughs> and I will uh, likely have things to say, be it uh, Thursday afternoon or Friday afternoon or evening or no, whenever I can find the time to, and energy to actually go ahead and do these podcasts. But knowing who's involved knowing what characters are involved. Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to, yes, it's sort of Clone Wars Season 8, but also it being a story on its own. So those are my thoughts, my questions, what I want to see from Clone Force Gretzky. If you have thoughts and questions about what you want to see, let me know. Follow me on Twitter at neug485. Give me a follow on Instagram at MNEUG1138. Wherever you listen to this podcast, feel free to like, subscribe, follow, etc., etc. And uh, yeah, thanks for continuing to come along this journey. I will do my best to, to be more regular with this. For now, thanks for listening. May the Force be with you always. <laughs>